Welcome to the Redemption Church Podcast. We are located in Seattle, Washington. As a church, we want to be a community of faithfully present people with God, self, and others. We hope that this encourages you to do the same wherever you are. And thanks for joining us. All right, so we're going to jump into the sermon now. So over the last three weeks, we're walking through the vision of our church as we are a community of people striving to be faithfully present to God, self, and others. And so today we're looking at this last piece on being faithfully present to others. And the reason why we are revisiting our vision is really twofold. One, we haven't been together in 18 or 19 weeks now, and so it's just important to continually put the vision before ourselves and remind ourselves, oh, why do we exist as a church family? Okay, there's, so there's one, it's just a faithful reminder. Two, it is in preparation also for what we're getting into next week as it pertains to my neighbor, race, justice, and the image of God. In order to go into that challenging stuff that we see throughout scripture and what's going on in the world today, we need to first remind ourselves of our vision and, and very much so recenter ourselves so that we can go into that season present, truly present to God, to ourselves, and the world around us. So that's why we're doing it. So we'll put the vision of our church on the screen. We'll say it two more times, just so it's really sinking in. Redemption Church is striving to be a community of faithfully present people in our relationship with God, self, and others. Redemption Church is striving to be a community of faithfully present people in our relationship with God, self, and others. And so today, we're looking, as I said a moment ago, in what it means to be faithfully present to others. Now, why is that part of our vision of a church, and, and why is that so important? Well, here's, here's why it's not. It's, it's not because God just has a thing for extroverts. It's not that God just has a thing for, for fours or twos on the Enneagram and wants people <laughs> connecting with others all the time. Uh, it's not because we want to try to get God's attention by just being good people and noticing others. We're not trying to impress our neighbors through, gosh, this guy seems to always be available. It's not trying to just impress God or impress somebody else. The reason why we are striving to be faithfully present to other people is because it's a response to God in the gospel. In the gospel, we understand that the Father sent Jesus the Son into the world as he lived a perfect life, died their sinner's death, was resurrected gloriously from the grave, ascended back to the right hand of the Father. He sent the Spirit into the church, regenerating us, making us new people, new creations in Christ. And as we are new creations in Christ, we now become faithfully present people. And so... It's, it's a way of saying what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, to, to, to be the, the salt of the earth. We are present as we are seeking to preserve. So today, we're looking at what it is to be faithfully present to other people. And get this, this is what changes the world. It genuinely does. Um, When I think about, and I'm sure you do too, when we think about people who God uses mightily, we tend to think of really well-known names. Billy Graham, the great revivalist, right? C.S. Lewis writes books that's translated into every language under the sun. Hudson Taylor, or somebody like that, like a a famous missionary that changes a whole continent, right? Um, But the reality is, is that 99.999% of us are not called to be foreign missionaries, revivalists, or authors. We're called to live our 
normal lives, our ordinary lives here in our city, day in and day out, as a, as a parent, as a friend, as, a, as, a, as an employee, as a neighbor, we're called to live our normal, ordinary life to the glory of God and do so, though, in being faithfully present. And that in and of itself is what God's will is for the majority of Christians in the world. And that's beautiful. And so we're talking about how to steward what so many of us are actually called to do. And it's in being faithfully present. And I know all the objections about being faithfully present to other people. You know, there's, uh, life is messy, right? If I'm pre- faithfully present to you or you're faithfully present to me, I'm going to eventually tell you about the mess of my own life. And you're going to have to carry that or not. <laughs> Or you're going to tell me about your messy life. And so sometimes we just don't want to be present to one another because life itself is messy. Another reason is life is so busy. Many of us get up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. and go all day long from meetings to appointments to this and to that. And if you're married or have children too, on top of that, you've got soccer practice or ballet or whatever, piano lessons, whatever the thing is. And you just go, 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 go until the very end of the day and you crash. You watch Netflix and you fall asleep. That's it. And then you get up and do it again. And it's hard to budget and make room and accommodate actually being hospitable and, and make room for other, for other people. Another reason why we're not faithfully present to other people is because we honestly th- think, we tell ourselves sometimes, ah, they don't need me. They're, they're probably doing fine. I don't need me checking in on them. Or we say things like, oh, I don't need them to check in on me. I mean, I can do it on my own. And that's just not true. We all know that. So scripture calls us to it. Scripture calls us to it. It's a command. In fact, it's commanded so often. If you just get, just go through, search and get a Bible app and, and search through the phrase one another and just notice it, how many times it shows up throughout the New Testament. It's, it's crazy how much it shows up. From Jesus and all the apostles are always talking about it. I'm going to read you just 10 verses, just a, a scattering throughout the New Testament. And listen to these, these commands given again and again to the church. Romans 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. Have concern for each other. Galatians 5, 13. Serve one another in love. Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens. Colossians 3, 13, bear with each other. Colossians 3, 16, teach one another. James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other. Hebrews 10, 24, spur one another on to love and good deeds. Hebrews 10, 25, do not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So why? Why is this command, uh, all these commands to love and serve and pray and give and sacrifice for one another and help each other, all the rest. Why is that so imperative to our Christian faith? I mean, truly, can't I just grow in my own faith in God without you? (laughs) Can't you do it without me? I mean, don't you have the Holy Spirit given to you as a Christian? Yeah. Don't you have a copy of the Bible? Yeah. But why do you need me? Why do I need you? Why do we actually need each other? Here's why. Because we're made in the image and likeness of God. Now bear with me as we do just a fraction of theology for a moment. God himself has not, cannot, and will not exist outside of a 
perfect, harmonious relationship within his own personhood as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? The Father didn't make Jesus later. The Father didn't make the Holy Spirit some other time after he existed in and of himself. No, no, They have always existed perfectly, eternally. And then as they create the universe, they did not do so out of necessity, but out of desire. Did you catch that? God doesn't make things because he needs things. God makes things because he desires things. Creation doesn't satisfy a needing God. Creation doesn't scratch an itch of his. And when God created everything in the universe, the only thing he made in the image and likeness of his own self was you. It was me. Human beings. <laughs> so when you think about God creating, he creates supernovas that are not in his image. The Grand Canyon is not in his image. A shooting star <laughs> is not made in his image. But you are. And so as you're made in his image, he is a communal, triune God in his ontology, right? You, you are relational. You are interpersonal. You are made for relationships. As Thomas Merton's famous book is entitled, No Man is an Island. We do not need to exist on a on, a, on an island alone. In fact, as we isolate ourselves and drift away from one another, we actually become less and less human. Again, this is so important. This is why. Why does the New Testament keep saying, come together, don't neglect one another, meet with one another, all of this? Because we're made in his image and likeness and we need one another. So, there's that. One of my favorite pastors, his name is Eugene Peterson. Uh, he wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Listen to what he said about church membership. This is beautiful. He said, our membership in the church is a corollary of our faith in Christ. We can no more be a Christian and have nothing to do with the church than we can be a person and, it not, be, and not be in a family. It's part of the fabric of redemption. <laughs> That's what it's about. So don't hear me saying, by the way, when I say faithful presence to others, that you need to somehow just be this extroverted personality that just has people over to the house 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and never gets alone and recharges, right? Um, Jesus himself often retreated, as we mentioned last week, to lonely places, to, to get alone, to recharge, to pray. In my early years of pastoring, oh my gosh, I was the worst at it. <laughs> I was the worst. You should ask Jana. Um, I had people over to our house. I'm not kidding. Like every day of the week, I had people over all the time. Because I, I thought, well, I'm a pastor. I should be available. I mean, what kind of pastor is not available? <laughs> and part of that's true. Unavailable pastors aren't pastors. That's for sure. Um, because shepherds do smell like sheep. Shepherds are to be among the people, for sure. But it doesn't mean... 24 hours a day, and I was messing that up bad. And I, I had no idea. I was burning Jana out. I was burning myself out. So don't hear me say, all right, be faithfully present. That means you need to open your home seven days a week and host a party every night of the week. That's not, that's not it. But it does mean, okay, 
I'm going to be present to other people, which means I'm going to take hospitality seriously. I'm going to take my neighbors seriously, my friends seriously, people in the church seriously. And I want to be able to budget some time so that I can be present, so that I can know people, and so that they can know me. Um, when we talk about faithful presence, what's one tool that you need in your tool belt if you're going to be faithfully present to others? There's a lot of things to try, but I think the one tool that you're going to have to have that is utterly invaluable is a simple tool. It's called listening. Listening. When was the last time you were listened to? Who listened to you? How was that? What did that do for you? As a pastor, you know, when I sit with people, I often get the impression that people don't feel listened to very often. Everybody's so busy, hurried, fractured minds, running around. Um, but to be listened to, that is such an unbelievable gift. Um, Keith Anderson, uh, he wrote a book, a theologian down at uh, Seattle School of Theology for, for many years. Uh, he wrote a book that I just loved, and it was on uh, listening to your life. Or no, he says, uh, it's called Reading Your Life Story. Here's what he says. Listening is the way we are present to time, to self, to another, to God. Listening is not something you can do in retrospect. It is not remembering Listening is the way we attend to here and now in the fullness of time. Catch it? That's, that's what it is. Listening is the way that we're present. Um, Henry Nouwen, one of my favorite, favorite writers, he talks about friendship. And you know your friend is the one, your friend is the one that's listening to you. <laughs> Listen to what he says in a, in a book on, uh, entitled Out of Solitude. He says this, when we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives mean the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. The friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief or bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing not curing, not healing, and face with us the reality of our own powerlessness, that's a friend who cares. <laughs> what a beautiful description of what it is to be a friend. Not someone that has all the answers, not someone that can just go, oh, well, I've got a little quip for you, or, you know, kind of pocket lent wisdom. Just, but rather, someone that can actually just sit there and go, I I'm with you. That's a friend. Faithful presence. The gift of listening. They are such tools of healing. So, as a church, where do we look? Well, we look at Jesus, <laughs> as always, as our example, and where we draw our strength to be faithfully present people who can listen. Listen to this famous hymn in the book of Philippians. Um, in the book of Philippians, Paul's instructing the church, and we'll put it on the screen. Listen to what he says. This is, this is really interesting because this passage is oftentimes described as a, a Christology passage, all about Jesus and his divinity and humanity, right? But 
it's actually, first and foremost, an ecclesiological passage. It's a passage about the church. Listen to this. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now catch that, catch that. He talks on and on about the divinity of Jesus there, right? The equality with God, exalted to the right hand, all of that. But the first thing he says, church, let this mind be in you that was also in Jesus, who emptied himself. He humbled himself. He became a listener. You see, the atonement itself, our redemption itself did not begin when Jesus was brutalized on Good Friday. And it didn't begin when he became incarnate in the manger scene. Atonement itself actually began the moment Jesus started counting. He did not count equality with God. He did not reckon with equality with God. He did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself. Can you catch how profound that is? And in his humbling, Jesus became faithfully present to others and became a listener. You know, Jesus didn't just preach sermons. Jesus had a job working as a carpenter. Jesus had friends, and he listened to them. How are you going to redeem the world if you don't listen to it? How do you know who's hurting if you're not listening? Of all the gifts that we can give the world right now, listening sure seems to be a great one we can give. It's a, a gift the world needs. So, that's where we look. We look to Jesus in being faithfully present to others in the church. I'll be brief here, but Jesus was also faithfully present to others outside of the church. You know, Jesus had a reputation. In fact, um, we'll put this on the screen. Listen, to it. It's, it comes from my favorite chapter in the Bible, Luke 15. But he says this, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. Um, tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus as he was faithfully present to this world. The word sinners there, by the way, it's not the way we tend to think of it, you know, all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. A generic way of talking about like the human race. We're all sinners, right? We, but the, when Luke uses that word in an honor-shame context, he's talking about a class of people. Sinners. There was the clean and the unclean, the in and out, the righteous and the sinners. It was a class of the way the religious people talked about sinners. Now, Jesus... It says he receives them. That word literally translates, he warmly welcomes them. That Jesus was faithfully present. That, that when they grumbled about Jesus, they said he's a friend of sinners. 
I love that that's our Savior's reputation, that he's a friend to sinful people. That deeply moves me. Um, did you know that Jesus was a friend of sinners and it wasn't predicated on whether or not they got baptized or they memorized the Ten Commandments or walked on water or took communion or stopped messing up so much? Did you know that Jesus was a friend to sinners even when they didn't repent? It's like, well, what's it all riding on? Oh, it's riding on his grace. What was their friendship riding on? It was on him being faithfully present to them, not cleaning their act up. Why is that? <laughs> That's what the Pharisees were all grumbling. Oh, what the? He's doing it wrong. <laughs> but the reality is, is that Jesus was going to do all the cleaning it up. Jesus was the one that was going to heal and save and redeem and restore. Jesus was the one that was going to make these people new again. And he was going to do it through being faithfully present to others. I just love it. He was the one that was going to do the good works. And that was his reputation. Think about it. This man receives sinners. He's present to them. He shouldn't be hanging out with them. He shouldn't be going into their homes. And yet, if you're going to save the world, you've got to get your hands dirty. And that's exactly what he has done. And that's what he's called us to do. Not as little saviors, but certainly as little Christs, as Christians, to get our hands dirty in the world and to be faithfully present, not only to those inside the church, but those outside of the church as well. And why was it so important for Jesus to get outside the religious culture and befriend sinners? Because he's demonstrating the very heart of God. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6? Listen to this. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. When Jesus talked about his father, he said, oh, my dad, my Abba, <laughs> he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. God is kind to ungrateful people like me, like you. God's kind to evil people. He's still kind. Do you know it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? It's what makes your heart soft is to know all the wrong turns you've taken in life and all the things, all the skeletons in the closet to know that God sees all the skeletons and says, I love you anyway. I'm not going anywhere. I got you. That's faithful presence. And so for us, as we think about our Father, the Son, the Spirit of God, as we think about him being faithfully present to us, that's where we draw strength to be faithfully present to those both inside and outside of the church. We do so out of a deep-seated conviction that life in Christ and life lived out of Christ's strength and spirit 
It's the life that glorifies God. It blesses our neighbor and it fulfills the purpose of our very existence. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you want more information about our church or would like to come visit us on a Sunday, go to redemptionseattle.com.